Chapter 1 Title Subconscious I have to what? I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. Mahatma Gandhi You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. James Allen You know how the story goes. It's the end of the year. You're excited, motivated like crazy. Nothing can stop you now. You're finally going to do it. So you grab a pen and paper. At the top of the page you write, New Year's Resolution. You start jotting things down. The list begins. Number one, lose 50 pounds. Number two, quit smoking. Number three, control my anger. Then, the new year begins. A few days go by and you haven't lit up a cigarette. I got this. Two weeks race pass and you've lost three pounds. Woohoo! An entire month goes by and you haven't yelled at anyone. Piece of cake. Then, two months pass. A cigarette's in one hand, a fork's in the other, using it to eat an entire cake, and you're pissed off at yourself for not sticking to the plan. Fail. Okay, so maybe the new year doesn't look like this for everyone, but I think you get my drift. We all want to improve our lives for the better in any way, shape, or form, whether it's through the use of positive thinking, writing down goals, saying magical prayers, or even willpower. But why don't our methods always work? And why do we sometimes get the exact opposite of what we desire? Here's why. We have two minds. No, I didn't say two brains, so no need to freak out. First off, we have something called the conscious mind. And second, we also have something called the subconscious mind. Now, if the idea of having two minds still freaks you out, then think of it instead as having two spheres of activity within one mind. Is that better? Okay, let's move on. Wait, before I get into that, let's go back in time, to the beginning, let's say, to when you first came into this world as a baby. You were this innocent bundle of joy, weren't you? You were constantly living in the present moment, not distracted by the problems of the world at all. You weren't concerned with ethics, politics, or even religion. It was a time when life was pretty much, well, worry-free. As a child, between your toddler and preschool years, the world was one big playground to you. If you were buck naked, it didn't matter. You'd still run around the house without shame. If you picked your nose and found something slimy or crusty, whatever you discovered was food. If you saw a puddle of mud, you'd jump in and play, not giving a rip of what others would say. You did things well, just because. And then you got older. As you started becoming more aware of your surroundings, people started telling you what was right and wrong, good and bad, acceptable and unacceptable, possible and impossible. Thin is better. Dancing is a sin. Miracles don't exist. God hates homosexuals. Left-handedness is abnormal. You can't do what you love and make a living. Then, in that teeny tiny brain of yours, without you even realizing it, guess what was happening? Countless downloads of beliefs. Well, it's not just you. All of us have inherited other people's beliefs without our permission. No exceptions. The source of our beliefs could have come from our parents, teachers, movie stars, musicians, television, basically anybody with any kind of influence in our lives. Whether or not our sources had good intentions, well, that doesn't even matter. We still got affected one way or another. According to contemporary thought leader Greg Braden, in his book The Spontaneous Healing of Belief, he mentions the fact that up until the age of seven, the human brain is in some sort of dreamlike state, meaning the mind is very impressionable. It basically absorbs everything around it, like a sponge soaking in one idea after another, 
which is why we got to be extra careful with what we say and do, especially around children. It makes sense when you think about it. Should any of us be surprised if we get caught acting or thinking like our parents? I mean, throughout the quote-unquote sponge years, I'm sure we've picked up a couple of things here and there, habits of theirs, both good and bad. We probably don't see them at times, but truth is, our friends most likely notice them first. Okay, now back to the whole conscious and subconscious distinction. The conscious or objective mind is a rational mind. It's the voluntary mind which analyzes all the information and actually decides. In other words, it's the mind which chooses what school you're going to attend, whom you're going to marry, and what you're going to eat for dinner tomorrow. The subconscious or subjective mind, on the other hand, is the irrational mind. It doesn't think and choose the same way the conscious mind does. Instead, it reacts based on the information stored in it. But don't let that trick you into thinking it's the weaker one of the two. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, William James, the father of American psychology, said the power to move the world is in your subconscious mind. It's your subconscious impressions which determine your world. Now, if what he said is true, well then, understanding how your subconscious mind works seems to be pretty darn important, I must say. You see, your subconscious mind works 24-7. It never sleeps. It's so important that it orchestrates all of your bodily functions without you consciously choosing, from pumping blood, to digesting food, and even breathing. Imagine waking up every morning and having to say, Hello there, heart. Do you mind beating rhythmically today? Or imagine having to remind yourself when to breathe. Dude, if these things only function when you consciously put some effort into them, then it's safe to say you'd probably be dead by now. There's another interesting thing about your subconscious mind as well. According to the late metaphysical author, Robert Collier, he said, Our subconscious minds have no sense of humor, play no jokes, and cannot tell the difference between reality and an imagined thought or image. That is to say, your subconscious mind has no filter. It's completely impersonal. It doesn't hear a negative belief and argue with it. It doesn't even care whether or not a belief is true. What your subconscious mind does accept as true, and this is very important to remember, is whatever you feel to be true. Let me give you an example of how powerful the quote-unquote truth in your subconscious mind is. You wake up early in the morning and read your daily positive affirmation book. To some, it's called a devotional. Once you finish reading this uplifting book, you shut it, feel inspired, and believe today is going to be a good day. But 30 minutes later, what seems to come out of nowhere, you feel like crap. You're like, what happened? Why do I suddenly feel this way for no reason? Well, there actually is a reason. It's simple. Your good old subconscious mind started kicking in. See, although you did some positive mind preparation in the morning, which is good, here's another important thing to remember. You operate from your subconscious mind 95% of the time. Let me explain it further. Take driving for instance. Growing up in the Middle East, my wife never learned how to drive a car. I still remember the first time she started learning to drive here in America. Her conscious mind was aware of almost everything around her. Her speed, the traffic lights, street signs, etc. Being in the passenger seat, I'd hardly say anything to her because I didn't want to be a distraction. Another way of putting it is, well, I didn't want to be in a car crash. With much repetition and practice, her driving skills improved. Nowadays, she can easily get from point A to point B, engage in a conversation, and not have to be fully aware of everything around her as she drives. So the question is, who does the driving if she's not fully aware of her surroundings? You guessed it, the good old subconscious mind again. It naturally takes over. I'm not saying she can drive with her eyes closed. Please don't try it unless you want interesting results. But I think you get what I'm saying. 
Your subconscious mind has a record of everything. I mean everything. Every thought, every emotion, every encouragement, all the highs, all the lows, pretty much everything we've ever experienced in our lifetime. Even though most of you don't even remember a particular argument you had, let's say 10 years ago, every part of that experience is still there in your subconscious mind. Call it your own mental USB drive if you will, except you don't have to consciously choose to save anything. Your subconscious mind automatically saves everything for you. This is why positive thinking only gets you so far. It's good and all, don't get me wrong, but what's more important are the beliefs behind the positive thoughts, the ones rooted in your subconscious mind, cause they're the ones that really run the show. Trust me, no matter how many positive thoughts you try and muster up, it doesn't matter, the negative beliefs in your subconscious mind always win. Which is why mommy and daddy in their moment of anger should have thought twice before calling you stupid, or telling you they wish you were never born, or saying you'd never amount to anything. Sure, they might have said those hurtful words to you decades ago, but remember, those painful memories are still there in your subconscious mind and can be triggered at any time. The power of suggestion also plays a role in all this. For example, what if someone looks at you and says, Hey, you don't look too good. Are you feeling sick? I think you should go see a doctor. Guess what? Depending on how susceptible you are to suggestion, even if you weren't sick to begin with, you can actually begin to feel sick. And it's not because you actually are sick, it's because you accept the suggestion that you are sick. Seriously, that's how powerful a suggestion can be once your subconscious mind accepts it to be true, even if it's not. I remember an eye-opening demonstration on the power of suggestion given by hypnotist mentalist Darren Brown. In one of his videos, he brought a woman to a forest to show her the quote-unquote power of a voodoo doll. Darren told the woman, quote, The thing about this doll is that it doesn't have a soul, so we need to give it a soul for this to work, end quote. She agreed. Darren then grabbed the woman's hand, appeared to take the ring off her finger, then put the ring in a little compartment inside the center of a voodoo doll to become its soul. Darren turned around, with his back facing toward the woman, and began to wrap yarn tightly around the bottom half of the doll. Then he asked her if she felt anything. The woman was terribly shocked to discover she couldn't move her legs. Darren turned around again to face her and said, You can move your arms, yes? and she began flapping her arms up and down with ease. But while her arms were flapping, Darren began wrapping the yarn tightly around the top half of the doll, and slowly but surely, she was suddenly unable to move her arms. Then, Darren asked her to count from 10 to 0 out loud. As she began counting backward, he wrapped the yarn tightly around the neck of the doll. This time, as I'm sure you figured it out by now, she was suddenly unable to speak. Next, Darren said, Quote, the only reason why you can't speak is that you believe you can't speak because of what I'm telling you. The interesting thing is that if I tell you you can speak, all that does is give you permission to question that belief and then you find that you can speak. End quote. At that instant, the woman suddenly spoke. Even more to her surprise, Darren explained to her that it's not even a real voodoo doll, but that the trick was to get her to invest in the belief that it was a real voodoo doll by investing something of herself in it namely her ring. Darren unwrapped the center of the voodoo doll and to her surprise again, she noticed the ring wasn't even there. So what happened to the ring? Did it magically disappear? Nope. As Darren later revealed in the video, he never put the ring inside the voodoo doll in the first place. In other words, the ring was on her finger the entire time. You see, there was no power in the voodoo doll whatsoever. Rather, the power came from the woman's agreement or belief with Darren's suggestions.
There is another story I love sharing, which is found in Joseph Murphy's classic book, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. A friend of his, Dr. Evelyn Fleet, told him about an article which appeared in English newspapers. It shows how obedient the subconscious mind can be even when it comes to certain figures of speech we use. Here's what happened in Joseph's own words. Open quote. This is a suggestion a man gave to his subconscious mind over a period of about two years. I would give my right arm to see my daughter cured. It appeared that his daughter had a crippling form of arthritis together with a so-called incurable form of skin disease. Medical treatment had failed to alleviate the condition and the father had an intense longing for his daughter's healing and expressed his desire in the words just quoted." End quote. As the rest of the story goes, one day the family was out driving. Can you see where this is going? They crashed into another car and the father's right arm was immediately torn off at the shoulder. But check this out. At the same time the father's arm was torn off, get this, are you ready? The daughter's arthritis and skin condition vanished. Now that's not a happy story. Well, for the father that is. But it comes to show just how powerful suggestion really is. Or to be more specific, if you say something enough times, coupled with emotions, it allows for the suggestion to sink into your subconscious mind, then BAM! It becomes your reality. Okay, on a more positive note, Emily Kue, author of Self Mastery Through Autosuggestion, understood the power of suggestion as well, using it to help others help themselves. His well-known mantra, every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better, has helped cure thousands of people from illnesses. That said, I strongly suggest you say positive affirmations all throughout the day, every day. I also suggest saying them right before going to bed or first thing when waking up, or both. Why? Because when you're in a much drowsier and passive state of mind, your mind is less argumentative and much more receptive to suggestion. Then once the positive affirmations seep into your subconscious mind, you'll have new beliefs. And once you have new beliefs, you'll have new feelings, new manifestations, new experiences, new habits, in other words, a completely new way of living. Later in this book, I'll be dealing with several major areas of life where many of us struggle with false and self-limiting beliefs. As you read, you might hear ideas which are at odds with some of your current beliefs. It's okay. Keep your heart open and keep reading. Allow your mind to be stretched to the point of it being renewed. You'll start noticing your faith getting stronger and you'll be empowered to overcome any impossible looking situation. At this time, take a moment to think of all the areas of your life, for example health, finances, family, you want to see differently. Seriously, take a couple of minutes to think about it. Then ask yourself these questions. Why do you think these areas are the way they are? What might be the self-limiting beliefs that contribute to these areas? Now, I'm not asking you to beat yourself up with a guilt trip. I'm just asking you to be aware of these areas you need to work on so you can get started on doing something about them. Because if you're at least aware of any problem, trust me, you're already a step ahead of a lot of people. So get ready. Life's going to get a hell of a lot better from here on out. Now turn or swipe the page and let me continue showing you how to create your reality.